T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Um, Stuart Brown joins us as we talk about the serious things that people do have to worry about as opposed to the way some cartoon is dressed or not dressed. Stuart Brown's been doing this for a long time. He's a Coastal Resources Scientist Assistant Administrator for the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Good morning, Stuart. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How long have you been involved with the effort to um, restore the coast? Uh, Twelve years uh, this month, yeah. What, what got you started? Um, I, I studied coastal ecology in college and uh, in North Carolina, and, and uh, when studying coastal ecology and coastal restoration, Louisiana is, is constantly comes up as as the place to do it. It is a place that's facing some of the greatest risk and and has some of the most uh, innovative and, and large scale projects to try to combat it. So. When uh, a job became available, I, I applied and, and moved down here 12 years ago. I always like to look back at things because life is a motion picture, right, and it's not a snapshot. If there were no – and look, I'm not knocking oil and gas. It, it God knows, helped people, uh, provided how many jobs and, and put money in the state coffers. Uh, we should have gotten more with royalties. That's an argument for a different day. But if there had been no oil and gas exploration – is there any way to determine how bad the land loss would be, comparatively speaking? Uh, that, I guess that's a really tough question to, to answer because there are so many compounding factors. If there had been no oil That's what I was trying to get no, to, Stuart. That's yeah. what I was trying to get to, the compounding factors and so forth. Right. If there had been no oil and gas and no uh, uh, levying of the Mississippi River, you know, maybe we have a system more like a natural system where certain areas are building, certain areas are, are deteriorating, uh, and we have kind of a net balance, like a, a kind of a, a more idealized deltaic system. So is there any way to determine, and look, there are reasons for both. I get that. I'm not trying to find villains. I'm just trying to figure out the um, hydrology of this, if that's the word, about oil and gas as opposed to levying the river. Both are to blame? Both are to blame, but but so are many other factors that that uh, some of these are, are natural processes we would expect to see in the system, but but uh, the not just oil and gas, but navigation, flood control, um, a lot of interventions from uh, kind of human interventions, introduction of invasive species. There are a lot of factors that are contributing to to land loss. Also, subsidence, right? I mean, that's part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that, that is uh, kind of an ongoing uh, natural geologic process in the coast. And, and uh, 
in a system that, that has a, a river that's regularly flooding the wetlands and depositing more sediment uh, in, in certain areas that can be offset by the input of sediment. Um, but uh, without that, that input, uh, subsidence uh, can be the dominant force in, in the land moving down and, and water levels moving up. Let me um, jump in here real quick. Northbound Causeway is closed due to an accident with an overturned vehicle at mile marker 6. So not a good time to go uh, if you're going from the south shore to the north shore on a causeway. You can go around with the um, uh, twin spans would be one way. Or I, I, um, we know the other way around is, um, what is it? 55, right. That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you, Tim. Anyway, northbound causeway is closed. Back now with Stuart Brown, Coastal Resources Scientist, Scientist, Assistant Administrator for the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Is some of the land loss, or this may be a dumb question, is all of it, let me rephrase it, is all of it irreversible? The land loss and coastal erosion. Yeah, not all of it is irreversible. We have projects that in specific areas can, can again, build uh, land, whether it's through diversion, whether it's through marsh creation. Uh, we, We can rebuild land. Net coastwide, a lot of the land loss, uh, we're not going to to recreate, we're not going to be able to recreate the coast of of 1930 or or even uh, maintain the coast of today. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is it about restoration or maintenance at this point? Um, It depends the scale you're looking at. I think uh, in particular areas that are, that are, important because they represent key landscape features it's about restoring and maintaining those uh those landscape features um but again kind of coastwide we're we're trying to uh maintain a system that still provides the sort of ecological uh benefits the the ecological services that that uh we have today though we understand that that it, it likely won't be on the same exact footprint and as i i talk to you here i realize that the coast, restoring the coast is a gross oversimplification probably, right? Because you're talking about different types of ecologies, different types of, of land masses or land masses that used to be there. That in and of itself is a challenge, correct? Yeah, it's the, the coast is complex. There are, are Across the coast, there are different reasons that we're losing land. There are different solutions to trying to, to address that land loss. Um, and that's one of the, the you know, things that we've we've tried to point out in this master plan and illustrate that there are these regional issues that require uh, localized solutions that may not be the same whether you're in the southwest or in Terrebonne or, or uh, in the greater New Orleans area. Are we even close to funding enough projects to federal and national uh, federal and local state money together? to prevent the erosion just to stop it or we we're still going to continue to lose? Um, coastline and land mass, uh, but maybe not as rapidly because of what we are doing. Um, so it, it, it depends, looking forward, it depends on a lot of factors and, and kind of the severity of the impacts of, of climate change in terms of sea level rise. Um, we, in our analysis, we, we look uh, 50 years into the future and, and with funding levels similar to what we've experienced over the last few years, uh, we're suggesting that at least over the next 20 years, we can maintain a, a, a similar level of, of, uh, of 
of uh, coastal wetlands uh, that begins to tail off as we get into the year 30s, 40s, and, and, and 50s. Um, and if we do nothing? And if we do nothing, that, that outcome is, is uh, more severe. And, and so the, uh, the master plan is a, a projection of, of, first, what the coast looks like if we do nothing, or if we uh, rather finish the projects that we currently have funded uh, that, that are, are, are currently moving forward, and then put our shovels down. And then it's a question of, all right, what additional projects do we want to invest in will give us the greatest benefit in terms of not just the, the restoration of coastal wetlands, but also reducing storm surge-based flood risks for our communities. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the updates to the master plan and what they look like. And I just wanted to establish a little baseline there, if you will, of what happens if we do what we're doing, what happens if we do nothing, what could we accomplish, rather, if we did more. And I hope people are taking this serious because this is a hell of a lot more uh, important than whether cartoons wearing pants or not. And I'm not trying to be crazy when I say that, but people get distracted and they don't realize what's important and what's not. 920, back in a flash, Tommy Tucker, WWL. All right, 926, back with Stuart Brown, Coastal Resources Scientist, Assistant Administrator for the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. When it comes to the master plan, Stuart, what are some of the changes? What's going to happen this year and in the next five years? How far ahead do you plan? The, the master plan, uh, we're planning for a 50-year uh, planning horizon. This is the kind of big picture, how can we best invest our, our, uh, our money in terms of reducing storm surge-based flood risk and building and maintaining coastal wetlands um, as we look at a future where there is uncertainty about uh, what sort of climate impacts we will uh, encounter, uh, and, and uh, we're, with the master plan, developing a process to try to select the best suite of projects regardless of, of kind of what uh, future outcomes we realize. Is this, I guess, are, are there any models for this, or are you just trying to do the best you can with as many different factors as you have? Yeah, so we, we use numerical modeling for this. We've built landscape models. Uh, we use storm surge and, and wave models. And then we have a risk model that tells us, uh, storm surge and wave modeling tells us what sort of flood depths will be produced by uh, hurricanes and tropical storms. And then the damage models tell us what um, will be impacted by that, what assets, what communities uh, will will be impacted by that. So it is a large-scale modeling effort to try to, uh, as we mentioned in the last segment, try to predict what the future looks like without action, and then try to predict how these different potential projects will uh, will change that outcome, whether it's in terms of, of restoring and maintaining coastal wetlands or whether it's in terms of, of, of reducing flood risk for, for communities. Another challenge you face with all of that planning, you're subject to the whims of nature, and I would imagine you're looking at a different situation if you go five years without a storm as opposed to having a storm every year for five years. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we you know, with with predicting the future, there is uh, a, a lot of uncertainty. And one of those things that, that we're uncertain about is the sequence of storms. We have, uh, you know, there, there's a fair amount of literature on how we expect storms to potentially intensify with climate change. But the, the sequence of storms is something that we just have to test different uh, different potential sequences to try to understand how that will affect the landscape and, and risk. What do we know about the effects of the effectiveness, efficacy of diversions? Well, we we know a, a fair amount. Um, 
I guess I'm not part of the, the uh, teams working specifically on the mid-Veritary right. or mid-Breton diversions that I know are, are a hot topic, but I think in general what, what we can say is that when they're designed to capture sediment, when they're operated in ways that, that uh, uh, balance the delivery of sediment and the delivery of freshwater, they can be effective at, at building and, and perhaps as important or perhaps more important, maintaining uh, uh, wetlands in the area. One question I had before we let you go is, um, subject to the whims of nature and hurricane season, how do, how do you determine if what you do is going to survive a hurricane, if you, if you keep putting that first layer down and then it keeps getting washed away, or um, does it increase exponentially where once you get that first layer down, then it builds up, it's even easier to get the second and third layer down, and I'm, I'm using layer as a metaphor if you with me, Stuart. Yeah, um, I guess one way that we do this is by looking to to the past, and and a lot of the restoration projects have actually held up uh, really well um, to hurricanes. The uh, marsh creation projects are made with with typically more mineral uh, uh, sediments. They they tend to hold up uh, better. Certainly, the right storm at the right uh, uh, trajectory or speed can can uh, impact that, uh, but. But typically, a lot of these restoration projects have been uh, able to, to be maintained or, or are, are, uh, are, are not uh, terribly impacted by, by uh, hurricanes and storms. I appreciate your time. Any final thoughts, Stuart? Um, I'd just like to note that the, the draft master plan is publicly available right now. We really, if you're interested, we encourage anybody to take a look at it. It's on our website at coastal.la.gov. We'll be having four uh, public hearings over the next uh, couple weeks that, that folks are encouraged to attend. Also, you can submit any comments to masterplan.la.gov. Thank you for the work you do. It's very important. I mean that sincerely. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? All right. Thank you. You bet. Stuart Brown, Coastal Resources Scientist, Assistant Administrator for the Coastal Protection and Restoration. Of T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.